Get your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to continue the series on gifted by talking about spiritual gifts in context. And I want you to get your Bible out and actually open it. We always provide for you the user-friendly screen. But here's my problem with that. Uh, The church in America is largely biblically illiterate. We're not reading our Bibles. And because we don't know the Word of God, our nation suffers because of it. The Bible says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What's the knowledge? It's the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of His ways. So even though we have it on the screen, I want you to do the hard work and bring your Word and follow along with me because I want you to get familiar with knowing where First Peter is and reading the Word. I've been just reading that first epistle all week long and chewing on it in preparation of today. And I'm doing something different today. If you were to ask us, well, Pastor, is, is your preaching style topical or expositional? I would say yes. Um, because many times we teach topically. And what does that mean? Well, if we're going to teach on the Holy Spirit, we'll find verses in the Bible to talk about the Holy Spirit. Well, if we were doing that, we could just go straight to verse 10 because verse 10 in 1 Peter 4, it talks about spiritual gifts. And we can just go right there and start talking about spiritual gifts. But the beauty of expositional preaching, which is what we're going to do throughout the summer as we're on this series, is we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to mine the the context out of these passages because there's something rich sometimes that we lose when we just go straight to the topical application and then go on to another verse, verse, verse. I want us to make sure we're immersed in the passage. So we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, and what I want to do is highlight three major themes. So we're going to look at the 40,000 foot level. Some of you might be going, Pastor, when are we going to get into like, what are the spiritual gifts in the Bible and how do they operate and how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Hold on, because we're going to get there and it's going to be a lot of fun. But we're laying the infrastructure now. We're putting the groundwork in place. We're like putting the rebar in the, in the front porch, all right, so it doesn't sink. That's what we're trying to do. So let's take a look at three major themes. Let me also very quickly say welcome to everybody who's watching us online. We were in um, live stream purgatory for a while, but we've been delivered. I won't go into that, but we're back to our live stream. It's working. Um, we learned not to show videos on our live stream, um, and uh, we'll never do it again. We promised everybody we'll never do it again. We're back live streaming, so you guys can check us out if you're traveling this summer. We'll be on live stream. All right, let's take a look at, at three major themes. The first one is found in verse 1. Notice it says there, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had, and listen to what it says, and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, the Bible says you have finished with sin. There's something about suffering for Christ, on behalf of Christ, in the service of Christ, that really brings into focus how we're living. And the Bible even says here that If we have been persecuted for our faith, it has a consecrating effect because here's what happens. Nobody's going to continue to follow somebody, namely Jesus, in the face of opposition if you're not deeply devoted and committed to Christ. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you're not going to suffer and continue to dilly-dally in the world, half foot in the kingdom, half foot not, when you've gone through suffering because it makes you figure out what you're living for. And can I just remind us that we're living in a nation today where very few of us have had to suffer for the sake of the gospel in terms of physically. Y'all with me? We haven't suffered physically for the gospel. Maybe some minor persecution, and things are 
Isn't the sound of life beautiful? It's, it's beautiful. I love it. I'm not picking on you guys. It is beautiful. And I'm glad you have your little child here. I'm excited. That's the way it should be. That, that kid's going to be something someday. All right. We're not suffering physically. And uh, I want to remind you, though, of this. Most of the world where people profess Jesus suffer physically. And, and we need to just pause. Because when we're asking the question, why in the context of 1 Peter chapter 4 on spiritual gifts, does he start the chapter with suffering? It's a great question. And maybe it's important that we ask the question is because here's why. Maybe our gifts were not supposed to be play toys. Maybe they're supposed to be tools. And maybe the reason God gave us gifts is not so much for me. How many of you like those, those shows, America's Got Talent or The Voice or some of these things? You know, sometimes in America, we think our spiritual gifts are for the platform to display how awesome we are. And maybe, maybe Peter's starting off here talking about suffering because here's the deal. Do you realize that the reason God gave us a spiritual gift was to alleviate suffering, not to draw attention to how awesome I am or how awesome you are? Can I just ask another question here? How many of you think right around you this morning, there are probably people that are going through difficult times? Maybe they've lost a family member. Maybe they're in a tough marriage. Maybe they've got children that are addicted to this or that. Um, Maybe there's great financial issues going on. How many of you know if we leave here and we go out there, the odds of you bumping into somebody that's in pain is remarkably high? Y'all with me? Maybe, Maybe Peter says we need to look at our gifts through the lens of suffering because here's a reminder. The reason God gifted us is to alleviate pain and suffering. You know, I got a good buddy of mine, Danny C. Some of you remember Danny? Very prophetic. Sometimes, again, if our prophetic gifts are not submitted to the Holy Spirit, we think they're about us. And we're always looking for somewhere to stand up and say what we think God is saying. But let me just tell you, the prophetic gifts are given to us so that we would know the heart of God for the person that God wants to minister to and touch. I had a meeting up in my office not too many years ago with the folks from the Indiana Family Institute. Danny C. was in town, and, uh, and I said, why don't you come along with me? We sat down at that meeting, and, you know, prophetic people are never the ones jumping in right away. Here's what prophetic people do. I'm, I'm married to one. They listen. Because prophetic people don't want to talk. They want to hear what God's saying, right? So my prophetic friend sitting there, we're having a conversational prayer time, and we get to the end, and he says you know what, I feel like God's been laying something on my heart for you two men. And I had my head bowed. I just started smiling because these two men were not familiar with prophetic gifting. And so I, was, I knew they were getting ready for their circuits to be blown. And my prophetic friend starts to share something with the president, and it was good and encouraging. And then he turns to my buddy Ryan, and he says, Ryan, uh, God wants you to know that your wife has had a hard time understanding you because you have a twofold call and it's unique. You have a call to the church, but you also have a call to public policy and government. And those two things don't often go together. And you've had some strong disagreements over that. But the Lord wants you to know that she understands. Well, we walk down the stairs. I start heading to the parking lot with my one friend. And I don't realize this, but Ryan grabs Danny, and they go into our copy room right here. And Ryan buries his head in Danny's shoulder and chest and just begins weeping. First of all, what Danny shared prophetically about your wife not understanding and 
He said that was exactly right. He said, but when you started talking about my wife, I got angry because my wife had just been killed. A drug deal went, that went bad where the police were chasing one of the dealers. He decided to, in the race to get away from the police to run a red light and T-boned Ryan's wife and killed her instantly. He said, when you started saying about my wife, instantly I was angry, like, you're wrong because you don't even know. I don't have a wife. My wife is dead. My wife was killed. But when you said, the Lord wants to know you to know, she understands. That two-word sentence, she understands, went like an arrow into his heart. Because God was saying to him, I understand, and she understands, and it's going to be all right. Something exploded because somebody was willing to be aware of what God might be saying to somebody who's hurting, to listen to the Lord, to get our eyes off of us, to think around where, see, this is why we can't even move in spiritual gifts if it's all about us. Why does he start with suffering? Because people are hurting. Because people are lost. Because people are hopeless. Because people don't know God. And they're looking for hope. So what does God do? He gives us gifts so that we can step into situations and not shine the light on us, but discern the hearts of people around us and offer hope and love and tangible expressions of the grace of God. It was amazing because it was several years later I got a phone call from Ryan and he said, Pastor, would you be willing to, to marry me? God's brought another lady into my life. And, uh, and would you marry us? And, and I tell you, this is just the goodness of God. Some of you that have gone through the pain, those ashes right now, God says, I will bring beauty out of the ashes. It's not over yet. I'll bring beauty out of the ashes. And for me to stand at the altar that day and have the privilege of seeing God provide and why for him, and to heal and bring closure to, the, to his broken heart was a sign to me of how powerful and how important spiritual gifts are. And I want to encourage you, let's not turn our gifts into a talent show. Everything that we have is to love people. Everything that we have is to alleviate pain and suffering and to bring Jesus and hope and life and the heart of God into dreadful situations that are all around us. And I'm telling you, the farther we get from God, the more dreadful situations we're going to have to demonstrate the love of God and the mercy of God. So I think the reason he talks about suffering is because he wants to free us from a talent show understanding of gifts and to help us understand that we're not looking for platforms and stage lights and Christian stardom. We're looking not to display our gifts, but we're looking to love broken and hurting people the way God has gifted us to do so. Second thing this passage talks about is found in verses two through four, which is Christian living and holiness. Read along with me. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you're gonna be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things godless people enjoy. Well, what are the evil things that godless people enjoy? Well, they haven't changed. Immorality and lust, sexual perversion in general, feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, terrible worship of idols. 
One translation throws the word orgy in there. What Paul or what Peter's talking about here hasn't changed. Ungodly people have always done the same things to satisfy the emptiness in their hearts. They pursue drunkenness, they've pursued partying, they pursue sexual immorality. Nothing has changed. But here's what Paul's or what Peter says. He says, if you're going to allow spiritual gifts to move through your life, you need to stop acting like unsaved people. And you need to start living a godly life. There needs to be a distinction in your life between the way you used to live and the way you live now. And let me just say this. For much of the church today, I don't see much distinction at all. The message of the church is not, don't do that. The message of the church is, why are you doing that? When God provides greater pleasure, greater satisfaction, greater blessing, why are you continuing to live like people who don't know God? If, if spiritual gifts are spiritual, meaning supernatural, meaning from God, then how in the world are they going to be expressed through lives that are full of carnality and compromise? I'm just asking. How in the world are we supposed to express the heart of God when we are involved in all the same demonic things and idol worshiping and chasing false gods uh, and living like the world, how in the world is there supposed to be something powerful and supernatural? How do we hear God's voice? How do we have the faith to step out and to express the heart of God in a situation when we're just living like, like we're pagans? It's a good question, isn't it? I think it's time that the church maybe figures out what, what we want to do and whose team we're on and how we're supposed to live this thing. You know, in chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says, get rid of all evil behavior. In verse 11, chapter 2, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Why do we need to live properly among our unbelieving neighbors? Because maybe God's trying to demonstrate his goodness to them in their time of pain, and he's looking for godly people to do it, people with spiritual gifts. I'm not trying to beat anybody up today, but I, I, I am saying this. Is anybody ready to go deeper in the pursuit of Christ-likeness and living like Jesus and being different from the world and walking around with a joy in our hearts and a smile on our face and satisfaction in our lives because we're living free? I just got to say this. There should be a B.C. and an A.D. for you. There should be your before Christ days. And my dad used to talk about those days. He had those days. But you know what? They were B.C. days. And his... Before Christ days were not his after Christ days at all. Radical change. Radical change. And listen, going from B.C. to after Christ does not mean you get less. It means you get more. More. We're not settling for some cheaper version of life. More. So in light of eternity and the spiritual gifts God's wanting to give us, think of the suffering in the world. Second major theme, Consider how you're living your life. Let's live holy lives before God, God-pleasing lives. And let me get to the third one here. Number three, the coming judgment and eternity. Man, you talk about some heavy topics. Look at verses five through seven. Remember that these people are gonna have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. That's why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. So although they were destined to die, like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. And then he says, the end of the world is coming soon. Now notice the three topics before we even get to spiritual gifts. Suffering, holiness, 
judgment and the second coming. How many of you know you can't get three weightier topics in all of Scripture? Here, here's what I think Peter's saying. Saints, in light of the time that is short, in light of the window of opportunity that we have, in light of the suffering in the world, in light of all the decadence and worldliness and perversion that causes so many people pain and, and misery and destruction, in light of all these things that I'm coming, let's take our gifts and use them for the glory of God. Let's make sure we maximize who we are and what God's called us to be. We don't have that much time. Has anybody in this room besides moi, I was having an interesting discussion with my mother on her back patio the other day, and we had, this was simply the question, where has the time gone? I had one of those birthdays that pushed me decisively in favor of the top part of the decade versus the lower part of the decade. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like when you go from 25 to 26, and you're closer to 30. Well, add a few decades on, and that's where I'm at. And I looked at my mom, and she's like, tell me about it. I'm like, yeah, all right, good point. How many of you know Christ is coming? Christ is coming. He's going to judge the living and the dead. We're going to stand in front of him and give an account for our lives And Pastor Andrew did such a great job last week reminding us that if you've been given a gift to steward, God expects a return on the investment. That's called Judgment Day. God expects a return on the investment. You and I have been gifted by God with supernatural empowerment, treasures from God, the ability to hear God. We know his word. We know his promises. We know his ways. We know his heart. We're on mission as a church family. We got one life to live. It's a short life in light of eternity. I think Peter's saying, come on, church. Don't waste your life. Don't waste the gifts in light of eternity. There's a million things you could be doing, and none of them might be bad. But in light of eternity, there's probably only a few things you should be doing to maximize who you are and the gifts God's put within you. Eternity is a game changer. Paul said if, if, if all we have to hope for is this miserable life— we're, we're the most miserable of all. That was why he said, thank God Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he's coming back and eternity is in our sight. And the Bible says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I don't know when he's coming, but I do know this. The Bible clearly testifies that the, that the hour is short. And, and I know my life is short. Even if Christ doesn't come in my lifetime, my life is short. I'm trying to hold on to it as much as I can while I'm giving it away as much as I can. But in light of the suffering in the world, the holiness of God, and our call to be holy, and in light of the judgment of God, now let's talk about spiritual gifts, because guess what? They all of a sudden became even more valuable. And the way that they're expressed becomes more valuable. Anybody see what I'm talking about? We, we just framed spiritual gifts in the light of some major themes. And so here's, here, here's, here's what he does next. I'm going to go through this really quickly. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm hitting it from the 40,000 foot marker, right? So, so we're going to just touch on these things but he gives us five things in light of eternity and what he's just told five things that we need to be focused on let's go through them real quickly number one is purposeful prayer look at verse seven therefore 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 that means okay listen up i just told you some important stuff therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers can i just tell you if you're not spending time talking to god and you're not spending time letting god talk to you through the word 
you are going to absolutely be sucked into the worldliness around you. It's going to happen. You can't stay strong in the Lord when you don't feed yourself. You can't stay strong in God and sharp. Yeah, you might still be saved. You might still be going to heaven. But listen, you cannot stay cutting edge sharp when you are surrounded by the dulling influences of this world and you are doing nothing to feed you and your spirit. That's why I'm constantly harping. Get in your word. Read the Bible. Talk to God. Don't miss the gathering of God's people on Sunday morning. Why? It's to help you. It's to help you finish strong. You can't do this by yourself. You can't do this alone. You need a church family. I'm trying to help you. That's what pastors do. Make sure you stay in fellowship. Prayer is how we demonstrate our deep reliance on God. We say, God, we need you. God, we seek you. God, we want to know you. God, we want our lives to accomplish your purposes. It's why when you give generously, what happens? It increases your prayer life. Why? You got to come together and you say, Lord, we need you. God wants to keep you uncomfortable. I'm going to say that one again. God wants to keep you uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, you pursue him. When life is sweet, you get fat spiritually and you stop pursuing God. You know I'm talking to you. You know I'm talking to you. So why are you keep waiting? God, where are you? This is such a hard time. God's trying to help you encounter him. He's trying to get you close to him. You don't pursue him like that when it's all easy. I know this. I'm telling you from experience. I know you don't because I know I don't. And it's against human nature. None of us do. I don't want the worldliness to create a shipwreck faith. You all know people who started off well. And as soon as they ran into hard times, they crash and burn. In fact, let me tell you something else about suffering, what Peter says about suffering. He says the reason God allows suffering for this short period called earth is because God's trying to allow us to authenticate the, the genuineness of our faith. I'm going to say that again. The hard times in life should not cause us to curse God. The hard times in life should not cause us to get angry at God. In fact, I'll just say this. This is for somebody. If you're angry and cursing God, it's actually manifesting the shallowness of your faith. Because the purpose of the trial was to manifest what's in you, and the reason you need to manifest what's in you is so you're not deceived and thinking, I'm all good, when you're not good. When you're going through the hardest times, that's when we dive into God. That's when we say, what am I standing on? What do I believe? And we press into God, and here's the beauty of it. It keeps us tight, keeps us close. Because I don't know about you, I don't want, I don't want to be shipwrecked in my faith. I don't want to get complacent in my faith. I don't want to get apathetic in my faith. I want to make sure I am pressing in to God with all of my heart. But this doesn't mean we just hide in a prayer closet. Let me just back up. We're trying to help you guys this summer and help all of us. We're going to spend Wednesday nights throughout the summer in corporate prayer. Um, It's going to be a season of corporate prayer. Amen. It's going to be awesome. We'll have worship. We'll have some time in the Word. And then we're going to launch into prayer. Uh, and then we're afterwards, every first, first Wednesday of the month afterwards, we're going to have some type of food here because here's what we want to do. We want to pray together. We want to go hard after God together. And then we want to spend some time enjoying each other over the summer. So we anticipate groups of people running off to Dairy Queen or wherever, you know, whatever you're doing, go get some kale if you're into that, whatever. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, all right, kale, yeah, all right, we got the kale group going on. What's that? 
All right, spam. Maybe some of you get some spam. I don't know. Anyway, Ed, we were talking about... All right. Anyway, forget that. That was an inside joke. All right. But we're going to be purposeful in prayer. Second point. I'm going to hit it quick because you guys are talking way too much. All right, number two. Love one another. Look at verse eight. Most important of all. Most important of all. Can you guys circle that in your Bible? It's okay. It's not sacrilegious. Most important of all. Continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Before we get to spiritual gifts, most importantly of all, love each other. This is, check this out. Love covers sin. Some people say, well, I have the gift of discernment, Pastor, and I can see the faults of everybody in this church. The reason he talked about love covers is to help correct your spirit of discernment. Because discernment doesn't mean you have the ability to find fault. Any moron could find faults. Faults are obvious. Love looks for what's good. Love, the Bible says, barely notices when other people do it wrong. Boy, isn't this good? Love says, I'm going to focus on Christ's potential in that person. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to encourage that person. Oh, that person just tried to send an offense my way. Knocking that thing right down. Not going to pick it up. I'm just going to choose to love. Love, major, most importantly of all. If there's one thing we could just focus on as a church family and, and we could still win this game that God's called us to, this mission, it's just love. Let's just love. If we do that well, we're going to have a humongous impact, even if we mess up a lot of other things. So, so he says, let's pray. Let's love. How about this one? This is good. Practice hospitality. Cheerfully share your home with those in need of a meal or a place to stay. That's in the Bible. Notice it says cheerfully do this because it's not ever convenient. This church was founded in our living room. My mom and dad's living room. It didn't intend to be a church. It was a place to love people and help people in their marriages. Living rooms are built for like 8 to 10 people, maybe. Not 80 to 100 people. When 80 to 100 people invade your house every week, stuff happens. Armed with coffee and food. Things get spilled on the carpet. Jim and Debbie, you guys remember back in those days? House full of people. Coffee cups set on antiques that leave white stains that permanently remind you of your mission in life is not to stare at antiques, but to love people. (laughs) Constant reminder. Wear and tear. Things get broken. But here's the deal. Your house is not a museum. It's a hospital. Got to say that again. All right. Four of you, I appreciate you four people that clapped. All right, let me say Your house is not a museum. Where people walk around and go, woo, woo, woo. Get some life happening in your house. Get some mess happening in your house. Hospitals are messy. Stuff's going on. Bandages, wounds. Come on, let's start loving people aggressively. Open up your home. Good things happen in homes. How about this? When we're praying on Wednesdays, 
Amen. Prayer over. Grab some people. Say, come to my home. Let's have some fellowship. Great stuff happens in homes. In fact, the Bible says this. You cannot be an elder, a deacon, spiritual leader if you haven't learned how to be hospitable. That means when people are in need, you're willing to open your heart, open your house, open your home, love people. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. It's getting really quiet in here. I'm trying to be encouraging this morning. All right. Pray, love one another, practice hospitality. Oh, we finally got to it, Pastor. Look at verse 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to do what? Serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking, it goes on to say. Speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God provides. Here's the deal. Some of you might be saying, well, Pastor, I don't know if I have a gift. What's the word of God say? You have a gift. In fact, you have multiple gifts. The the, the key thing we're going to do in this series is we're going to begin to define what those are discover what those are, begin for you to have some self-awareness about who you are and how God's wired you. The cool thing is, once you find that out, we're not going to make it all about us because we've laid the infrastructure, have we not? So we're going to take the grace of God on our lives, and then we're going to look for excited ways to serve people because that's what gifts are for, for serving people. And let me end with this. Look at verse 11. We just went through the first 11 verses then everything you do, everything you do, will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. This is so good. Everything we do, ultimately, we do in the strength that God provides. I told you that word in the Greek for gifts is the word grace, which means the gifts God gives us are gifts of grace. So check this out. Everything I do, I do through His strength, His power. I love people for His glory. And he gets, he gets all the glory through the whole transaction. So it's not about us. It's about our great God. It's about being generous and loving people and demonstrating that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to major on love. We're going to major on hospitality and caring for people with our home and with our stuff. We're going to practice spiritual gifts, and we're going to do them for the glory of God. Why are we going to do those five things? Because the world is full of suffering and pain. Because we're called to be different and to be like Jesus and we're going to do it so and we're going to do it because in light of the second coming time is short we need to make the biggest impact we can with our lives right now all of you are needed there's only one of you on planet earth in all of human history that has your unique gift mix and who you are we need you god needs you you're a masterpiece what do you say we all work together how about it you're ne- you're needed for the vision in this house to love people So some of you are new to the Lord and new in your walk. Hang in there. God's going to display his greatness and his glory in you and show you who you are and how he's wired you to be. I want you to stand to your feet with me. We're going to pray. Hope you all have a great day today, a great day off tomorrow. If you're off tomorrow, pray that we have some decent weather to hang out and cook some food outside. Wouldn't that be great? But can you do this with me? And I'm not prescribing this. If you're not comfortable with this, don't do it. But I, I like to picture the gifts of God like in my hand like Christmas. But there's something nice about saying, Lord, I'm just giving who I am back to you. I'm giving the gifts that you put in me back to you. And Lord, I just want to, in light of this message today, with the framework, the context, Lord, I just want to give myself in a fresh way. If your heart's with me on that, just lift your hands to the Lord. 
And Father, here we are today just dedicating ourselves fully to you. God, in light of those three major themes, we want to love well, we want to live well. God, we want to serve well. We want to bless people, and we want to maximize our time before you come. So, Father, I just pray you stir up the gifts within us, fan the flame, keep us from being complacent or apathetic, Lord. And, Lord, I pray for people that are here today that maybe they don't know you, and maybe they're far from you. Maybe you're one of those people that's still trapped in a lifestyle that keeps short-circuiting what God wants to do in your heart. We want to pray for you today. I'm going to have our team come up here, and we just want to be available to pray for you. We want to release gifts in you, and we want to bless you. And if you're in pain today in any way, maybe you're going through something that's really tough, we want to pray for you today, all right? So I want to dismiss you right now. I want to open the altars for ministry. If you need to leave, slip on out. The worship team is going to lead us in another song. If you just want to worship, feel free to do that. But if you need prayer today, if there's something going on in you, we want to release God's grace into your life and bless you this morning, all right? So, Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you for First Peter and the letter that Peter wrote to strengthen us even today. God, help us as we leave here today. Go be a blessing to a broken world. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. If you need prayer, come on down. Otherwise, have a great weekend. We love you guys.